Welcome back, listeners to Myths and Movies. I'm Erin, and I'm your host. Thank you for joining us as we dive into our favorite movies and learn about fairies, trolls, mythical monsters, and folklore. This week, I thought we would take a little break from evil dolls and horror movies to talk about a fairy tale. I thought we could see what the old Grimm's brothers are up to this week. Now, this week's tale is one I have loved forever, The Elves and the Shoemaker. These were a big part of my childhood. My mom bought these tapes called Timeless Tales, and I think they're from Hallmark. Um, They're like Hallmark produced them, but Hanna-Barbera, the people that make like, you know, Scooby-Doo and the Flintstones and all of that, they did the animation. So every episode started out in the attic, and these two kids would open up a magic book. The book would then open up to a cartoon. Olivia Newton-John narrated these cartoons. And so, again, Hanna-Barbera did the animation. And I was obsessed. I still have them. And, yes, I did watch The Elves and the Shoemaker for this episode. It's on YouTube. Um, I watch it on my VHS player because I still have one and it still works. (laughs) Um, And I included a link. It's in the show notes if you want to watch it on YouTube. There's another mention of elves in a fairly recent movie. Um, Buddy the Elf in in the movie Elf. Buddy the Elf at the beginning of the movie talks about the different types of elves. He's got like the Keebler elves and, you know, and then they pan to the elves and the shoemaker and the elves do all the cobbling while the shoemaker sleeps. And the elves say something like that lazy good for nothing couldn't even make a shoe if he wanted. Um, So before we get distracted with elf and how great it is, let's do the campfire tale. A shoemaker, through no fault of his own, had become so poor that he had only leather enough for a single pair of shoes. He cut them one evening, then went to bed, intending to finish them the next morning. Having a clear conscience, he went to bed peacefully, commended himself to God, and fell asleep. The next morning, after saying his prayers, he was about to return to his work when he found his shoes on his workbench, completely finished. Amazed, he did not know what to say. He picked up the shoes in order to examine them more closely. They were so well made that not a single stitch was out of place, just as if they were intended as a masterpiece. A customer soon came by and liked the shoes so much that he paid more than the usual price for them. The shoemaker now had enough money to buy leather for two pairs of shoes. That evening, he cut them out, intending to continue his work the next morning with good cheer. But he did not need to do so because when he got up, they were already finished. Customers soon bought them, paying him enough that he could now buy leather for four pairs of shoes. Early the next morning, he found the four pairs finished. And so it continued. Whatever he cut out in the evening, he always finished the following morning. He had now a respectable income and with time became a wealthy man. One evening, shortly before Christmas, just before going to bed, and having already cut out a number of shoes, he said to his wife, Why don't we stay up tonight and see who is giving us this helping hand? His wife agreed to this and lit a candle. Then they hid themselves behind some clothes that were hanging in a corner of the room. At midnight, two cute little naked men appeared. Sitting down at the workbench, they picked up the cutout pieces and worked so unbelievably quickly and nimbly that the amazed shoemaker could not take his eyes from them. They did not stop until they had finished everything. They placed the completed shoes on the workbench and quickly ran away. 
The next morning, his wife said, the little men have made us so wealthy. We must show our thanks. They are running around with nothing on, freezing. Do you know what? I want to sew some shirts, jackets, undershirts, and trousers for them, and then knit a pair of stockings for each of them, and you should make a pair of shoes for each of them. The husband said, I agree. And that evening, when everything was finished, they set the presents out instead of the unfinished work. Then they hid themselves in order to see what the little men would do. At midnight, they came skipping up, intending to start work immediately. When they saw the little clothes instead of the cut-out leather, they at first seemed puzzled, but then delighted. They quickly put them on, then stroking the beautiful clothes on their bodies as they sang. Are we not boys, neat and fine? No longer cobblers shall we be. Then they hopped and danced about, jumping over chairs and benches. Finally, they danced out of the house. They never returned, but the shoemaker prospered, succeeding in everything he did. The end. <laughs> so this is um, a translation I got from the University of Pittsburgh, which publishes all the Grimm's Tales to English. Thank goodness, because I don't speak German. So I hope you enjoyed that little tale. Um, I thought we could talk a little bit about it and then get into the meaning of it. So this story was published in 1812 in the Grimm's book called Household Tales. And there's a bunch of ones in there, including Little Red Riding Hood, Cinderella, etc. We know from letters and other records that Georgian Wilde, the later wife of Wilhelm Grimm, um, she wrote most of them. Her real name is Henrietta, and Georgian seems to be a nickname. I've also seen Gretchen, but I think that might just be a typo. Um, so there's a specific chapter in the book, in the Grimm's fairy tales, just called Elves. And there are three stories in it, um, probably because the Elves and the Shoemaker is incredibly short. So you got to fill it out a little bit. There's uh, two, two other stories. One is about a maid who becomes a godparent to an elf. They stuff her pockets with gold. And when she returns home, she finds that her boss has died. And now she can live happily ever after. <laughs> Which, you know, I think that's a lot of people's dreams. To have your pockets stuffed with gold and then you don't have to work anymore. That's a dream, baby. The other story is similar to the shoemaker one, but this time it's a dwarf who wants to work as an apprentice. Um, once upon a time, there was a well-off cobbler. He was doing so well that he needed an apprentice to take off some of the work of his shoulders. He was doing so well that he needed an apprentice to take some of the work off his shoulders. Just by happenstance, a dwarf walked into the store. He promised to do good work, but he really wanted a lot of money for it. He wanted 25 sales a week, which is apparently an astronomical sum. Um, this was a lot of money, the shoemaker thought, but he agreed if the dwarf agreed to work hard. However, the dwarf sat around for several days, making himself comfortable and doing no work at all. The shoemaker finally had enough and vowed to fire the dwarf the next day. Well, in the middle of the night, the shoemaker awoke to a clanging noise. He crept into his workroom and saw a room full of dwarves. Each was busily working, but one saw the shoemaker and told his boss... The boss um, said, let him look, but the dwarf was insistent. So finally the boss said, all right, we'll poke his eye out. And the dwarf poked the shoemaker's eye out with an owl. The next day, the dwarf came to work, but there was no shoemaker. He pestered the shoemaker's wife who paid him and then showed him to the bedroom. The dwarf asked the man what happened and the shoemaker repeated the story. The dwarf shook his head and said, next time, don't look. He blew on the man's eye, and just like that, his eyesight was restored. The end. So this is a banana story. It's just bonkers. Um, I don't... What is the moral of the story? Don't eavesdrop? 
<laughs> See, some of those, like people say, oh, these um, fairy tales are for moral instruction. What is the moral here? Not, I don't think there is one. And people say, oh, don't eavesdrop. But I mean, if you were the owner of a store and you hear weird noises coming from a room, you should absolutely go into that room and see what the hell is going on. Maybe the moral is don't let supernatural beings into your home. I, I don't know. It's like, maybe it's like that warning about ghosts. Like if you play with a Ouija board, you're inviting spirits into your life. Um, although, you know, the lesson really isn't that clear here. Anyway, bonkers, which is probably why this story never took off. It's just nuts. Whereas the other shoemaker, it's very sweet. And I think the reason why it took off, it, yes, it's very sweet, but it also deals with some type of wish, wish fulfillment. Yes, it's very sweet, but it also deals with wish fulfillment. So sometimes the wish is marrying a handsome prince. Sometimes it's about breaking out of your tower. And sometimes it's about getting out of your chores. And what better fantasy is there than having someone else do your chores while you sleep? That is the fantasy. (laughs) Like that everything's a mess. And then when you come in sleep, when you come in the morning, and then when you walk into your kitchen in the morning, everything is clean as a whistle. So the argument could be made that Cinderella is more about getting out of doing her terrible chores than about marrying a prince. Like, I would say getting out of chores is probably Cinderella's number one goal. You know, and it's it's interesting. This is more popular than, like, some story about um, having tons of money and diving into your gold, a la Scrooge McDuck. It's about someone else doing those dumb chores for you. Um, which I totally understand. That's why I'm currently lusting over a vacuum robot that also mops your floors. So I dream of a robot. Um, in the medieval period, they dreamed of elves. I'm sure that desire was probably even greater due to how hard the chores were. Now we have washing machines that clean with the press of a button. But then, you know, what were they doing then? Beating it against a rock? That sounds terrible. You know, they were using huge boiling vats of water, boiling clothes. I mean, that sweaty, hard work pass. So there are a lot of different versions floating around of the story. And one that I really liked was a Looney Tunes um, satire they did of it. So Elmer Fudd is the head elf. And he sends his elves to a shoemaker until the shoemaker can get onto his feet. And then the shoemaker doesn't want the elves to leave because he's got free labor. Um, so Elmer Fudd explains to the shoemaker that, no, you've got to train and pay people so that your business becomes more efficient. That way, the more you make your business efficient, the more you can pay people and the higher quality of life they can buy, which in turn funds more business. So Elmer Fudd basically explains how capitalism works or how it should work. I I just love that a cartoon is like, no, you can't keep the profit all to yourself. You have to pay people a higher wage. Looney Tunes, man, radical, radical things. And I have a link uh, in the show notes if you want to watch it. It's pretty great. There are lots of adaptations of the tale. and Elmer Fudd is just one. There's another edition in the Grimm's version, which um, in it, they're a childless couple. And they desperately want kids when the elves leave. The ending says that they have lots of kids after, which I don't know how that's really relevant, but I don't know. I I thought the whole buildup was that they were going to adopt the elves as like their own children, but apparently the Grimm's brothers didn't want those two were two worlds to mix. 
But anyway, in the version that I did for the campfire tale, he's a pious man who prays to God for help. And then the elves show up. So that sort of implies that elves are somehow working for God. So I'm not really sure how, like they're mixing mythology and and religion, which, you know, for centuries, people have mixed folktales and Christianity until Martin Luther had his little freak out about changelings and then called them the devil. Apparently, after writing his 95 theses, he had a lot of time on his hands and changelings were the number one priority. Uh, but, you know, folklore was a big part of people's heritage and a rejection of those stories is practically a rejection of your identity. It's really sad. Bad Martin Luther King, bad. Just let people have this. Um, so the protagonist here is different than other fairy tales. Like I'm thinking of one of the big, big ones like Sleeping Beauty or Cinderella. And it, it might be because it's just too short for any character development. For example, Cinderella is, is cartoonishly good. In the Grimm's version I just read, he's sort of nothing. Like, he has no real personality. I'm sure he's a nice man, but we know nothing about his character. However, there is another version where he is Cinderella-level good. So, in the course of researching this, I learned about a plot device called Save the Cat. It describes a moment used usually in the first 10 minutes of a film. A character goes out of his way to help someone or something that will not benefit him in any way. And in certain versions, that's what happens to the shoemaker. He gives away his last pair of shoes to an old woman or to orphans or something each, equally tragical. Which I know sounds quite cynical, but I'm just trying to emphasize the elements of the story that make it compelling. And the point of the fairy tale is, tr is trying to make is be generous and you will be rewarded. Which is kind of similar to the prosperity doctrine preached by Joel Osteen and others. Um you know, but with Joel Osteen, you're always giving the money to him so you can have a private jet and whatnot. Um, so back to the cartoony characteristics. I actually have a theory about this. Um, so parents famously talk baby talk to their children. And when they do it, they over-exaggerate. Researchers have found this helps children to understand social cues. And when parents don't do it, their children often have a hard time socializing and relating to others. So I would argue that the same thing is happening here. Characters are either evil or amazing, and there's very little gray. And I think that's to provide um, reading comprehension to children so that they understand. It's easier for them to understand what's happening in the story, which I know is kind of obvious. Maybe this is a better point in my head. Um, I just I do think that does a disservice to children. I mean, how many times have you heard kids complain that shit isn't fair and their parents say, who told you life was fair? Well, only every fairy tale known to man. I mean, that's kids are inundated with that, it, with that message. Um, I guess you could say that it teaches kids to try for better, like grow up to be a person who fixes the world and makes it slightly more fair. I don't know. Um, so what did we learn from this tale? Well, maybe that generosity is rewarded, but I actually think there's something bigger here. We know that the Grimm's brothers took the stories they liked and rewrote them with Germanic values so they would sell better. In most tales, the Grimm's brothers really celebrate work. Whenever someone is hardworking and industrious, they are rewarded. Like the second tale in the elf chapter where the girl becomes an elf godmother, they stuff her pockets with gold and she's got to go back home to resume job as a maid, blah, blah, blah. She could easily buy her own house, go traveling or buy a million dresses or whatever she wants. 
but we know she is good and therefore, or rather because of, she is industrious and hardworking. Now, I would argue that the shoemaker doesn't possess that same trait. And I guess that would kind of depend on why exactly he has no shoes to sell. Is he such an amazing cobbler that no one needs shoes because they never wear out? Or like I talked about earlier, does he just give away all the shoes to people in need? So I don't think it actually matters. I think that in a fairy tale, um, it's just it's not just read for entertainment, but moral instruction. The shoemaker would be more prudent that he gives away 20% of his profit or something, um, which would be a very, very boring story. Uh, but he could have had some sort of disaster, like a fire or a hungry troll or something that ate all of his shoes. So I would argue here that the shoemaker is not a traditional idealized character in the tradition of Cinderella, who is the best person ever, and her fate sucks because of circumstance, not lack of moral fiber. Um, so any, But anyway, work here is the thing that it's being idealized. The elves are seen as saviors, and they have a ton of fun while being incredibly industrious, therefore cementing the idea that work is fun, which sounds a lot like Buddy the Elf when he talks about how much fun work is. And I was actually thinking of my favorite SNL sketch when Kate McKinnon does an impression of Angela Merkel, and she says something like, 87 is the average retirement age in Germany, at which point you are transitioned to hard labor. Um, and you make no mistake, like, this is a Germanic, this is a very big Germanic trait of, like, industrious and hard work. And the elves are particularly industrious. Um, I read a version that said the shoes are able to, the shoes double every night and they stay for two weeks. So that could be, like, a thousand shoes. I mean, that's, if they're continuously doubling, that adds up quick. Um, I'm picturing a little tiny shop sandwich between a baker and a butcher. So that would easily flood all of the shelves of the, sh of the shop. It's just an incredible amount of shoes to make, especially, you know, in one night. It really speaks to industriousness, right? Like it's really trying to um, tell the reader how valuable that trait is and they're elevating the creature the, they're elevating a creature that never gets tired and in fact just gets more productive so basically this entire story is an ode to the german work ethic there's a great little um clip i found from a comedian named Matteo lane where he talks about what it's like to date a german and it's very funny so i'm going to put that in the show links and it just made me laugh and since we're Talking about Germany, it's kind of tangentially related. Anyway, um, and since we're talking about Germany, I'm going to go on a little political rant. You know, the Germans are famous for this work ethic, right? That they never take breaks, that they're always working, they're always industrious, they're always industrious. But they have some serious laws for workers' rights. Everyone is entitled to 14 weeks of paid maternity leave. People who are sick must be paid 100% of their salary during the first six weeks. Workers are not allowed to work more than eight hours a day, and employees must take four weeks off a year, non-negotiable. Honestly, that sounds like a dream. I mean, who wouldn't love that? Um, anyway, before we go, before we wrap up for today, I do have a fun fact. Did you know that the right and left shoe, that is a relatively new invention? I know, I just blew your mind. 
So the internet is sort of divided over who invented this. It was either a guy in Philly or a guy in France. Either way, it wasn't until 1850 that the shoes were made as a pair with one left and one right foot. So I'm, I can't imagine having just one shoe for both feet. That sounds just, I don't think that would fit very well. Um, you know, one of the cons of living when we do, you know, besides global warming and inflation and all of that is that what is the good all the good inventions are pretty much taken um now people have to invent more specialized stuff whereas before you could be like what if we put a pocket in pants so (laughs) you know but as much as i complain the good old days really weren't so great so anyway well I hope you guys found this discussion about Elves and the Shoemaker very interesting. And you'll have to come back next week where we'll have a spine-tingling tale or perhaps just a fairy tale. Either way, it will be entertaining and you should definitely come back. (laughs) Um, To paraphrase from Southwest Airlines, we know you have many choices when you choose to podcast and we're so glad that you decided to choose us. Uh, Please hit the subscribe button and give us a five-star review. Every little bit helps. We could cheers the help and uh, goodbye. We'll see you next week. Toodaloo!